seconds matter, Brianne. It even matters that it's Citibank we've chosen to hit today, Brianne. The robbery had to be exact, precise, perfect. She got it. She got it. The mastermind had planned it on what he called a numerical scale of 9.9999 out of 10. With the heel of her left hand, Brianne shoved the teller into the manager's office. She heard the low hum of a computer coming from inside. Then she saw Betsy Buccieri sitting behind her big executive-style desk. You open up your safe every morning at five past eight, so open it for me, she screamed at the manager, who was wide-eyed with surprise and fear. Open it. Now! I can't open the vault, Mrs. Buccieri protested. The vault is automatically opened by a computer signal from the main office in Manhattan. It never happens at the same time. The bank robber pointed to her own left ear. She signaled with her finger for Mrs. Betsy Buccieri to listen. To listen to what, though? Five, four, three, two, Brianne said. Then she reached for the phone on the manager's desk. It rang. Perfect timing. It's for you, Brianne said, her voice slightly muffled by the rubbery President Clinton mask. You listen carefully. She handed the phone to Mrs. Buccieri, but she knew the exact words the bank manager would hear and who the speaker was. The scariest voice of all for the bank manager to hear was not the mastermind making very real but idle-sounding threats, but someone even better. Scarier. Betsy. It's Steve. There's a man in our house. He has a gun pointed at me. He says that unless the woman in your office leaves the bank with the money by 8.10 exactly, Tommy, Anna, and I will be killed. It's 8.04. The phone line suddenly went dead. Her husband's voice was gone. Steve? Steve! Tears flowed into Betsy Buccieri's eyes and rolled down her cheeks. She stared at the masked woman and couldn't believe this was happening. Don't hurt them, please. I'll open the vault for you. I'll do it now. Don't hurt anyone. Brianne repeated the message the bank manager had already heard. Eight ten exactly. Not one second later, and no stupid bank tricks. No silent alarms. No die packs. Follow me. No alarms, Betsy Buccieri promised. She almost couldn't think. Steve, Tommy, Anna. The names rang loudly in her head. They arrived at the door of the bank's Mosler vault. It was 8.05. Open the door, Betsy. We are on the clock. We're losing time. Your family is losing time. Steve, Anna, little Tommy could die. It took a little less than two minutes for Betsy Buccieri to get into the vault, which was a polished steel thing of beauty with pistons like a locomotive. Stacks of money were plainly visible on nearly all the shelves, more money than Brianne had ever seen in her life. She snapped open two canvas duffel bags and began filling them with the cash. Mrs. Buccieri and Jean Galetta watched her take the money in silence. She liked seeing the fear and respect for her on their faces. As she'd been instructed to, Brianne counted off the minutes as she filled the duffel bags. 8.07. 8.08. Finally, she was finished with her part in the vault.
I'm locking you both inside the vault. Don't say one word or I'll shoot you. Then lock your dead bodies up. She hoisted the black duffel bags. Don't hurt my husband or my baby, Betsy Buccieri begged. We did what you- Brianne slammed the heavy metal door on Betsy Buccieri's desperate plea. She yanked her President Clinton mask from her sweaty face. She was running late. She walked across the lobby, unlocked the front door with plastic-gloved hands, and went outside. She felt like running as fast as she could to her car, but she walked calmly, as if she didn't have a care in the world on this fine spring morning. She was tempted to pull out her six-shooter and put a hole into the big egg McShit staring down on her. Yeah, she had an attitude all right. When she got to the Acura, she checked her watch. Fifty-two seconds past eight-ten, and counting, she was late. But that was the way it was supposed to be. She smiled. She didn't call Errol at the Buccieri house where Steve, Tommy, and the nanny, Anna, were being held. She didn't tell him she had the money and she was safely in the Acura. She was told not to by the mastermind. The hostages were supposed to die. Part One The Robbery Murders Chapter Three There's an old saying that I've learned to believe in my time as a detective. Don't think there are no crocodiles because the water is calm. The water was certainly lovely and calm that day. My young and irrepressible daughter, Janny, had Rosie the cat up on her hind legs and she was holding Rosie's front paws in her hands.